All right, VC markdowns in 2022. So one of the interesting things that came out or piece of news in the last week or so is that Canva, uh, it's a company that does, they're kind of like a Photoshop images, image creation, things like that was valued at $40 billion and a VC fund called Blackbird wrote down their investment portfolio by 14.4 billion, like a 40% markdown. And they use what they call the strength and valuation methodology. So let's talk about Peter, what's happening in the market right now? What is a strength and valuation methodology? And what are other things that we should see and maybe even address it from like a regional perspective? You're ready to begin. Go to venturecapital.fm. Also, if you guys want to subscribe to any of other ch channels besides YouTube, Spotify, Apple, things like that. Well, I don't know what the, I, I didn't read the report, so I don't know what they mean by strength and valuation. But I think what they're trying to say is, hey, everything is down a lot. We need to go back through our portfolio and we need to evaluate things the way that, you know, what would they have been worth in maybe 2019, right? Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of funds doing that. It's it's a tricky situation because on the one hand, it really depends on what your valuation methodology is that you've agreed to with your limited partners, your investors, because, you know, in some cases, like you want to take the write downs now because everybody's expecting you to have write downs in the portfolio. You want to take those write downs now. Uh, you Unless don't... you're fundraising right now. Well, for another fund. Yeah, but even if you are fundraising right now, like, yeah, you you never want to take write downs, but like, what here's what you don't want to do is you don't want to like not take the write downs, get a bunch of commitments. Six months later, they do a priced round, and then you get hit with the write down, and there's like no question, right, that <laughs> that it's gotten written down, mm -hmm. and now you're now you've got some explaining to do, right? Okay. So you kind of want to be able to like get in front of it and be like, oh yeah, like we've written this down, right? Um, but I think the flip side is some of these valuations, at least in our portfolio, have been set in the last like three to four months. So it's like really tricky. Like where do you draw that line? Like we know that the companies probably aren't worth what they were worth, but by how much? I don't know. And I think a lot of VCs are in that same situation. Now, I think in the case of Canva, I haven't seen Canva's numbers, but like in my mind, there's no way that they were realistically worth $40 billion, right? Somebody, whoever led that round had like a very optimistic view of what they could be worth someday, right? And there was so much competition for that deal because it's such a hot deal that people were willing to kind of fight and pay up on valuation uh, and, and kind of envision this like world that I think was pretty unlikely. And I think Blackbird just looked at it and said, hey, you know, yeah, we were all like patting ourselves on the back when it hit 14 billion or 40 billion, but like everybody knew that that was like kind of a crazy valuation. Let's bring it down to something more realistic. Let's be honest though, like is $25 billion for an app that basically makes it easy to put together Instagram posts that look nice, like worth, four, worth 25 billion? I don't know. That seems kind of rich to me still. Looks at the re like the revenue stream. Yeah, but we don't know what the, I don't know what the revenue stream looks like, right? But like you asked about the market. So, overall like valuations are down massively. And if if I have one takeaway for any entrepreneurs that are listening to this podcast, it is that the, I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs at all levels, like all from seed all the way up to late stage growth. 
And I keep hearing the same question, which is like, Hey, when do we get back to like those valuations we had last year? Those were great. Like, when does that happen? And I'm like, I don't know if we ever get back to those valuations, right? Like those were like this anomaly in time where the fed was printing tons, had just printed tons of money, was printing lots of money. Government was spending tons of money. Everybody had tons of money in their, their bank accounts from like stimulus and so forth. And everyone could raise a new like $20 billion fund seemingly with like zero effort. And so there was an insane amount of money chasing a limited number of valuable companies, right? And that just, of course, raised all boats, pushed all valuations really high. Um, I was looking at uh, the valuation report from PitchBook. Okay. And uh, what's crazy is you see these charts and it's, it's like fintech. Do, 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 train, tr- like trending around median VC value for, for fintech was bumping between 10 to $15 million for late stage growth. In 2021, jumped from that to almost 30, right? So you see it's like da-da-da-da, boom. And it's not just like fintech. You look at enterprise tech, same thing, goes from 10 to 20 million. You go, you look at consumer, went from 10 to 14, so not as big, but I mean, consumer's consumer. But historically, they'd been relatively flat, I mean, with a slight increase. And so, look, I think ultimately what you're seeing in 2020 is like everything's dropping, and frankly, it hasn't even dropped enough. Like enterprise tech has only dropped from 20 to 16. Realistically, it probably needs to drop another six million dollars right for average average deal val- uh, value so you're seeing probably a, a 30 to 40 percent drop across the board right yeah for sure at least and those that aren't taking the hit on valuation they're doing convertible notes and they're basically saying hey we're going to kick the can down the road on valuation uh and hopefully we can grow into it right so what do you do if you're a ceo and you raised at terms last year that are never coming back uh, I think smart CEOs are cutting burn. They're okay. laying off a bunch of people. So you've seen a lot of that in the news. They are conserving cash. Uh, and if necessary, they are raising inside rounds. Uh, typically, safes, convertible notes. And in some cases, they're reopening the last round, unless the last round was too high of a valuation, in which case they'll do a convertible note. Uh, to buy themselves more runway and a good CEO probably should have somewhere between 24 and 36 months of runway on the balance sheet. Okay. Depending on where, at what valuation they last raised. But the big takeaway is those numbers are never coming back. I don't think so. I mean, for me, it's been kind of interesting because back when I got into venture in 2008, 2010, uh, at least, you know, I've got more experience with seed you know, pre-revenue or little revenue. Sure. Valuations were like at a million, two million. Yep. And that seemed rich, at least in the state of Utah. I'm sure outside in San Francisco, you might see four or five, but like, you know, my, my friend who went through Y Combinator got a 35 million, I'm assuming that's the post money valuation, blows my mind. Yeah. And how it went from two to three to 35 million and they even still had no revenue. Yeah, the, their only their only signal was they made it through Y Combinator. Yeah, so lucky for that individual. Maybe, but they got to grow into it now, right? So the downside risk here is, you know, you go out, you raise at this high valuation, you never grow into it, and either you have to take a down round, and VCs don't like taking like they don't want to lead down rounds. Nobody wants to lead a down round, mm-hmm. right? 
because one, it just doesn't signal well. It's like, why are you investing in a company that had to take a down round? They must not be good managers, right? The employees are all like disgruntled or demoralized because like their stocks are not, they may be underwater, right? On their stock options, depending on when they join the company. Like it's just all kinds of bad. And as a VC, you're kind of like, do I invest in a company that has to take a down round or do I just invest in a new company? Right? But, but where this is market wide. Yeah. It helps. It helps. helps. It helps. No, for sure it helps, but it's still not a great spot to be in. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why I think a lot of entrepreneurs, smart ones are cutting burn, raising additional capital, trying to extend out that runway so that they can grow into that valuation. But like, I think some companies are really going to struggle. Like we looked at deals last year where they were trading at over a hundred X ARR. Okay. Like that's crazy. Over a hundred X ARR. Like if you, if you go to the long-term averages for, for enterprise SaaS, like they trade at, at scale, they trade at like six to 10 X. Okay. Right. Of ARR. Of ARR. And so. Annual recurring revenue for those of you that, that don't know. And so you look at that and you're like, it's going to like, it could maybe take them 10 years, right? Okay. I don't know. It depends on how fast they're growing, but it could take them a long time to grow in to that valuation just to have a flat valuation. I'm not even talking like an up round, right? So if you're like, think about it this way. If you're a company, growth stage, you're doing, call it 50 million in ARR. You just got valued at 100X. That means that you're valued at $5 billion and you're still like a kick A company growing quickly, like, have metrics like up the wazoo that are great. And VCs are like, you're awesome. We're going to give you like a premium relative to your peers. And you get like, I don't know, like a 20X, right? Well, at 20X, you got to be doing what? $250 million in revenue. So you got a 5X your business before your next round just for it to be flat. What? That's a tall order. For it to be flat. What are VCs expecting at this moment? Are they expecting it to be flat? Is that the goal? Are they expecting it 10 to 20% down round as acceptable? Or are they just saying, hey, what is your growth regardless of valuation? We're going to invest in growth, recognize that valuations are wonky, and then course correct. And Well, I think most VCs, if they're being honest with themselves, are saying, let's, let's encourage the company to cut burn. Let's give them a little bit more money. Let's make sure that they can, like make it another two years or whatever with some mm-hmm. really strong metrics and let's cross our fingers that uh, they end up at least coming out flat. Are you seeing companies come back and proactively changing their historical valuation? What do you mean by that? So maybe that means it doesn't happen. Say I raise at a 40 million valuation yeah. and I come back and say, Hey, cause we need to raise again. We're going to update the docs and say it was a 30 million valuation. You now get more equity that way it's not a down round and we can continue. Yeah. I mean, you can't really do that. Okay. I mean, you can take a down round. You can issue more shares to prior investors, but I don't know why you would do that. Right. Okay. Unless you're in a tough spot and your investors demand it. Which would, or if you have a ratchet in place, like if your investors negotiated a ratchet, but here's the thing. So many companies did not have any structure on their rounds for the last few years because all the VCs were trying to be super entrepreneur friendly to win deals that there are very few, you know, ratchets and so forth. I think going like 
this year and going forward, they're especially at the girl stages, there are a lot more ratchets, a lot more structure. And just so you know, a ratchet, the way a ratchet works, like a full ratchet. So the idea is, let's say I invest in a company at a $10 million valuation, or sorry, let's say that I, that, that, that I meet with the entrepreneur. And I'm like, your company's worth 10. And they're like, no, it's worth 20. And I'm like, okay, fine. I really like this company. I want to back you guys. I'll invest at a $20 million valuation, but I'm going to include a full ratchet in the clause. And what that means is in the future, if you raise at a lower valuation, then you have to issue me enough shares so that it will have been as though I had invested at that lower valuation. So if they go out and they raise at a $10 million valuation, then they basically have to send me another um, amount of shares equal to what I've already put in, right? Because it's half. So I get to own, you know, if I put in a million dollars at at a $20 million valuation, I go from earning 5% to earning up to 10%. At, at that lower $10 million valuation, right? That's the idea of a full ratchet. And that comes, that dilution basically comes right out of the the, the common or the other the other investors, right, mm-hmm. uh, of the deal. So it's very punitive from a, a dilution perspective. But yeah, I think you're going to see more of those. The other thing you're going to see is VCs that step up to the plate to support their portfolio companies and put in pay-to-play provisions to force the other investors to pony up more money too. So we're starting to see that, right? Like see deals where uh, the the insiders are saying, yeah, this company needs another $5 million to, to get to some sort of milestone to survive, essentially. And uh, we're going to put up three, and all the insiders need to do their pro rata based on their ownership, or we're going to wipe them out. And the way they wipe them out is they basically say, okay, we're going to take every preferred share, if they don't participate, that they currently own, we're going to convert it into common, and we're going to then uh, reverse stock split it five to one or 10 to one or 50 to one or whatever it is. And so you end up owning like, you know, go from 10% ownership of the company to like 2% of common with no downside protection, no voting rights or very few voting rights, et cetera, et cetera. What does that do to employees and founders? Same thing happens to everyone? No, I mean, they only do it for... Well, I mean, it depends on how they structure the deal, but usually it's it's for the the preferred shareholders. Okay, right, because the big investors they don't want to be. I mean, if they're going to put up the money, they're going to take the risk. They want to get rewarded for that, and they don't want to be alone. Like everybody's got to pony up and pull together, make it happen. But if you look at the company, you're like, you know, another dollar into this company is a dollar lost because this company's going under. Then you shouldn't do it, right? Mm-hmm. But for the most part investors put into pay-to-play positions will pony up the money because it's usually a relatively small amount to their to the rest of their investment okay well it's good to know yeah it's probably more than you wanted but everyone's just hosed if you raised in the last 12 months then well if you raised at a really high valuation yeah you're in a tough spot especially Mm -hmm. if you've been burning a ton all right and your only saving grace is that to your earlier point everybody did that right so still makes it tricky still makes it tricky but I mean, hey, if you have a business that has a really good, strong business model that can get to cash flow break even, ultimately it might kind of suck from a valuation perspective. But it, you know, if you can get to break even, you can kind of, kind of control your own destiny, ride this out, and then raise money and, and try to push for growth again, right? Okay. But punchline is if you think, if you're holding out for that like 100x, right, multiple on your ARR, it's, it's, it's not coming back. Like you can't wait like 12 months and it's going to magically come back. Like 
if you look at all of the charts over the long run, they're pretty flat. And this was a definite like one-time spike in my opinion. So I guess the other thing that I would say is I've met with a lot of entrepreneurs that are waiting for it to come back. And they're like, oh, well, I'll just, I've got enough money in the bank to last another six to 12 months. I'm going to wait until things come back Mm -hmm. to those higher valuations and then I'll raise. And I think those entrepreneurs are playing a super risky game that I don't think is going to play out to their favor. I think those are the people that are going to end up in pay to pay, pay to play situations, down rounds and businesses that go under, right? Because they'll get, they'll, they'll ride it to the very end of their cash and then they'll like hope that somebody will back them and nobody like they'll be in an incredibly tough situation because like VCs will have all the upper hand, acquirers will have all the upper hand, et cetera, et cetera. They'll be in a tough spot. So like my advice is smart entrepreneurs are realizing like, like I got an insane valuation last year. If I close money, good for me, right? Mm-hmm. I need to do everything I can to one, like raise more money. If that means at a down round, that means at a flat round, that means at a convertible note with a cap that I don't like, like whatever it takes, get 12, 24 to 36 months of runway. Okay. Right. Easier said than done, but it's the challenge of every VC backed founder. Yeah. And look, at the end of the day, like venture isn't easy, mm-hmm. right? Startup land isn't easy. The rewards are huge and they're worth it, but it's not easy to get there. Definitely not. So. Well, thanks for your wisdom, Peter, on what's happening in the current market and down rounds and things like that. Make sure you go to venturecapital.fm if you want to subscribe or hit us up in the comments here on YouTube if you have additional questions and would be glad to follow up with you. And we'll see you guys in our next episode next week. Thanks, everybody.